Welcome to a new episode of the Clip City Podcast. I'm your host, Jovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. And today's special episode, I'm bringing on my buddy from Detroit City, James Edwards, Pistons writer for The Athletic. Uh, He's coming on to talk about Clippers' newest edition or reported newest edition, likely newest edition, Reggie Jackson. Uh, James, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Our teams uh, keep finding a way to, to cross paths every other year. Yeah. It, seems, it seems like a tradition for us. Yeah, there, there are some rumblings there about Andre Drummond potentially uh, to, to the Clippers with, with them needing a, a center upgrade and obviously the, the Blake and Tobias trade in, in 2018. They're in the news again t- yes. together. Let's get right into it. The Clippers are expected to sign Reggie Jackson on Thursday afternoon after he clears waivers, assuming he clears waivers. Uh, he was bought out by the Pistons on Tuesday. So for Clipper fans who do not know anything about Reggie Jackson, or maybe their memories of Reggie Jackson are OKC Reggie Jackson and, and coming off the bench behind Russ and KD. Uh, what is the kind of general breakdown of Reggie Jackson's game? The the pros, the cons, the offense, the defense? Yeah, I mean, he's a your prototypical pick and roll point guard. Um, that's one reason Stan Van Gundy traded for him from Oklahoma City, pairing him with Andre Drummond. Uh, those two early on in their, their tenure together in the, with the Pistons created one of the more dangerous pick and roll duos in the NBA. Um, that first year, Reggie, I think, only played 27 games because he was traded so late, um, and, and they showed promise. And that next year, his first full year, they led the Pistons to their first playoff appearance, I think, in seven years. And he was a borderline all-star, averaged 18 points a game, six assists, um, was one of the more – him and Andre, like I said, were one of the more dynamic pick-and-roll duos in the NBA that year. And then injuries hit. Knee tendonitis forced him to miss – most of the next year and then he had an ankle injury my first year on the beat so two years ago the year of the Blake trade that set him out for from December until March and then this year he got hurt hurt his back um, played this the second game of the year and then didn't return until either early February or late January so injuries took away lower body injuries primarily took away um, that athleticism and that burst that that made him special and made him intriguing to the Pistons in those first couple of years. Um, defensively, he's a long, long arms, I think a seven foot wingspan, uh, kind of dies on screens, not the greatest at getting around screens, but he does have length that makes up for, I guess, passes in the lane and interrupting uh, drivers on the help side. Uh, not a great defender, but sometimes it works in his favor because of that. He's, yeah, I mean, his his days of, uh, of leading a franchise are, are behind him. Um, a lot of people around here say Reggie Jackson's kind of career died on the, the surgery table. And he, he, to be fair, he didn't, he didn't have the greatest rap here in Detroit. Um, he's a kind of considered a, a, uh, doesn't move the ball, not a ball mover, not your traditional point guard. Uh, but the Pistons were above 500 just barely. Um, and when Reggie Jackson was starting and healthy and, and well below, uh, 400, I think it was like a 375 win percentage when he wasn't healthy and starting. So when Stan Van Gundy took over, many people thought his kind of tenure with the Pistons would ride on Andre Drummond. And in all actuality, it kind of was decided by the availability of Reggie Jackson. Before we get into the offensive side, I want to quickly talk about the defensive side because I just wrote about the move and my thoughts, which we'll get into in a little bit. 
Um, but it, it was funny. I, I'm going to assume it was a Pistons fan that commented on this, but I, I wrote that you know, I, I didn't really look into a lot of the film on, on Reggie defensively. I, I went more on the offensive side because I think that's just really where his importance is going to be. And as long as he's not Lou Williams bad defensively, um, you know, he's going to be fine, which, you know, I, I don't think he's that bad of a defender. No, he's um, not. But I, I was really in, intrigued that his defensive metrics actually like rated pretty positively. Uh, like on on ESPN's real plus minus, he's actually more of a positive on defense than on offense. And that metric is designed to sort of isolate you from your teammates, from the context of you know the lineups you're in and, and all that stuff to really kind of put it all in, in one metric of like, this is kind of your value. So I found that was interesting. Uh, some of the stuff on basketball reference, um, with, with, with you know win shares and uh, box plus minus and, and different stuff, you know, rated him as a more positive de- defender or, or just kind of average to slightly above average. You know, as someone who's watched him and and you you know know as well as anyone, kind of how good he is defensively. But why do you think maybe some of those metrics? Because to get back to what the, the commenter said, the commenter kind of ripped me for saying that he rated defensively well in metrics um, and saying he's not a good defender. Uh, so yeah. that was one thing they they disagreed with. But I'm curious why you think some of the defensive metrics might paint him as, you know, league average or slightly above average versus maybe being worse than that, as it sounds like you just kind of described him. Yeah, I mean, what I would say is his length, and he is 6'3", 6'4". He's a bigger point guard. He's not the biggest point guard, but he's a a pretty good-sized point guard. So he can guard other positions. He can guard ones, guard twos, some threes um, if you need him to. I'm not saying he does it well, but he he tries on defense. Uh, isolation situations, he tries. He's he's not afraid of contact. Um, like I said, it's kind of the pick-and-roll defense. He's not great. He doesn't get around screens very well. Um, he's a smart player. He knows what he's doing, so he knows where to be, and that's half the battle you know um, to be at least a, a baseline defender in the NBA is knowing where to be and what to do. And, I mean, Reggie Jackson's career, like I said, he's had a lot of injuries, so guys that have filled in for him are – you're thinking about Ish, names like Ish Smith and Derrick Rose, two very bad defenders. Um, so when he comes back, Reggie is, is inserted into the lineup. The defense as a whole turns up just a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much the length. Like, I, I'm not big on defensive metrics. Like, I still don't know if they've necessarily found a way to perfectly portray that, at how good a, de- a defender is. Uh, but Reggie's not as bad. He's not a great defender. He's, I wouldn't call him a good defender. And I and I would hesitate to call him an average defender, but he's not as bad as some of the pieces in LA at the point guard spot. I mean, mainly Lou Williams because Pat Beverly is a good defender. But yeah, I mean, his length helps him, and he tries, and he knows where to be. So that that helps in in, in certain cases. The the point guard spot has been a perceived weakness of the Clippers going back really to training camp. If if you look at this roster. Patrick Beverly is more of a three and D guard than a you know traditional point guard. He has taken on more of an offensive burden. Doc Rivers said a couple months ago that he's now entrusted Pat to run the offense and, and run sets and just kind of given him his playbook more than any point guard you know in his twenty plus you know year coaching career uh, outside of Chris Paul and you know Rajon Rondo. So that that's pretty high praise from Doc. And you've seen an uptick in Pat Beverly's assists over the last month, month and a half, but still not really the best facilitator, not 
you know, a traditional point guard by any means. And after that, a lot of it has, has been by committee. It's been Lou Williams running the, you know, the Lou Trez pick and roll. Uh, you know, he's not a, he's not a great distributor himself, but he will get, you know, four or five, six assists a night, um, you know, feeding Trez, kicking out the shooters. Uh, and then it's been Kawhi and, and PG and, and Landry Shamit, guys who definitely aren't point guards, but have taken on more of that role. I think, you know, Kawhi's passing has been one of the topics of the season for the Clippers offensively, where that was kind of his one offensive weakness. He's averaging a career high in assists, has consistently been around five assists a game all year. Um, and he really has been the primary ball handler for them in crunch time and when he's on the floor. So I think there is a sentiment that this team needed a point guard. Uh, they did have two open roster spots after the trade deadline. And they were obviously going to add at least one more player. They still could add another one, depending on how the, the buyout market shakes out. Um, but with, with this team, it's been a lot of, they need another ball handler. They need a playmaker. They need a guy who can run the offense when things get stagnant. And though Reggie Jackson is by nature, I guess, a point guard, he's been a point guard in Detroit. Um, he's not, he's again, not the most traditional, like, as you said, he's not really a traditional distributor, um, he's a very pick and roll heavy guy. He, he's a shoot first guy. Um, you know, he, he does have some encouraging passing metrics with, you know, 6.3 assists per 36 minutes and like a career 29% assist percentage. Like that stuff is solid. And it's, you know, it's not like he's averaging two assists per 36 minutes, which would be troubling. How do you see him fitting in with this Clippers team? Um, you know, he's probably going to come off the bench. You know, he might start from the beginning just because Pat Beverly is coming back from a groin injury. but Ultimately, his role on this team is probably coming off the bench with the second unit, playing alongside Lou Williams, Landry Shamit, Jamichael Green, and Montrez Harrell. It's going to be a lot of Lutrez pick and roll. Landry, come, you know, spotting up, coming off pin downs and stuff on the baseline. Jamichael pick and popping or spotting up, and, and then Reggie kind of, I guess, mixing in some pick and rolls with Lou, spotting up, you know, trying to do some stuff off the ball. Um, but how do you see him? for those 10 to 15 minutes a night he's playing, fitting in with the second unit, fitting in alongside the Lutrez pick and roll and kind of him him adjusting to the way the Clippers run things. Yeah, so what I would say is his last season, which would be his first with Dwayne Casey, probably maybe more so than he anticipated because you can't anticipate the future and knowing that he'd end up with the Clippers, but I think it might have prepared him for what's ahead. Um, as, as most people know, Dwayne Casey was a guy that liked to run multiple point guards, um, together. Um, when he was with Toronto, you saw Van Vliet and you saw Lowry. Um, he likes to run multiple ball handlers, ball handlers out on the floor. And last year, um, while Ish and Reggie played together a little bit, Blake was point forward. Um, and the, everything ran through Blake. So Reggie was off the ball a lot. Um, and one thing that I think might surprise people is Reggie's one of his best skills at this point in his career is as a spot up shooter. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm going to pull up the stats now. Yeah. Last year he was, according to Synergy, he was considered a very good spot up shooter, 1.087 points per possession. And that was his second most used play type behind pick and roll. Um, and it was 36% for the pick and roll and 20, essentially 21% for the spot up. Um, so he's, I think last year that was difficult for him going through it early on, like not having the ball as much as in, having the ball as much in his hands. And that's something Dwayne purposely did because I don't think he, while he did has played point guard, most of his career, he's a, a two guard and a point that's been casted as a point guard. Um, 
So last year he was playing off the ball a lot. He was getting a lot of opportunities due to Blake getting so much attention. And and he was good in it. And I think that's something that you'll see this year uh, with the Clippers going forward. As Like you said, Lou Williams and, and Trez Harrell will do a lot of pick and rolls. And Reggie will be on probably the weak side ready to shoot. And he can do that. And he's shown to do it effectively. Um, I think where he gets in trouble with his jump shot is, and we talked about this before we uh, started recording, is he, he takes a lot of tough shots as the pick and roll ball handler and in isolation situations. And that really brings down his three-point shooting. Uh, but when he's kind of just has his feet set and isn't very the isn't very much the focal point of the offense or that that action at the time, he's pretty effective. Well, one of the things I, I've seen thrown around with him, um, you know, and, and NBA Twitter can be snarky, so it's to be expected. Uh, but but there have been some people, you know, I, I didn't go this far in my article, but there have been some people questioning the fit from a mentality perspective of. You know, this is someone who felt kind of constricted in OKC and, and really wanted to be the guy, be the starter, um, kind of run his own team. And you know, I've seen words like irrational confidence or, or cockiness kind of thrown around. Um, so on that front, is that maybe something that kind of plagued him early in his career and he matured from that? Is that something that um, is still kind of in him and you see potentially being... Uh, something he has to deal with in LA because I just look at, you know, just realistically, there is a, there is a role for a backup point guard. And, you know, from a talent perspective, I want to be clear, like getting Reggie Jackson as your 14th, you know, roster spot off the buyout market is amazing value. And I think he slots in now as the ninth or 10th guy and, and having Reggie Jackson as your ninth or 10th guy means you have a really, really deep team. Uh, but at the same time, this is someone who since 2013 has started, you know, majority of the games um, or at least, at least the last few years, he started majority of the games. But since 2013, you know, 27 plus minutes a night, 13 plus points a night. Um, he, he's been pretty consistent in that role for him to come to L.A., probably play 10, 12, maybe 15 minutes uh, when, when everyone's healthy, average six, seven, eight points. Uh, you know, maybe two, three assists a game. Like I, that is a giant, you know, adjustment for him, an adjustment he really hasn't, you know, had to deal with since maybe his rookie season in, in 2011, 12. So as a guy who, who's 29 years old, theoretically in his prime, or at least, you know, ending his prime, about to hit free agency, uh, how do you think he kind of handles that, uh, you know, role adjustment of you're not the starter? You're not getting 15 shots a night. You're, you're, you know, you're not averaging 15 and five. You're averaging seven and two and a half. Like, how does he, you know, personality-wise, do you think kind of accepts that role, adjusts to that role, um, you know, within this locker room? No, that's a great question. Um, and people may not believe my answer, but as someone that knows him a little bit, I think the Clippers caught him at the right time in his career. Um, Everything, every descriptor you used early on was, was something that followed him, something that kind of stayed with him throughout his time. Um, and in Detroit, while those descriptors applied, he was paid to be that guy. Him and Andre Drummond were paid to be the faces of the franchise, to be the guys who carry this team to back to relevancy. And while they weren't able to do that, um, he, he never really lost that, that side of him, that mentality of I, I'm – I'm this guy. I'm paid like this guy. 
let me show everybody that I am this guy. Now, what I will say is, I think throughout, especially since I've joined the beat, like I said, it's my I'm in the middle of my third season. He does take bad shots. Um, I, the locker room stuff is not, I've, I've never really seen it. I, obviously, nobody gets along with every single person, but I, it's never been as detrimental as the things you hear. Reggie's been nothing but a nice guy to me. Um, he interacts well with his teammates from what I see. And I think he's at a point in his career, like you said, he's going to be a free agent. And before he got back from injury, there was real concerns that he might be a vet minimum guy. Uh, if that, in the open market this year, he's, he's always injured. And that, that stench of, of who he was in Oklahoma City in terms of the, the perception that people had of him as, as a person, it still followed him. But now he's at a point where he wants to get that next contract. He's on a team that has championship aspirations. So all the lights are going to be on him. If he really wants to play again and continue his career, he's going to have to be fine with the role that he's going to be forced into. Um, and I think he will. I think he understands kind of the uh, the ramifications of, of this opportunity. If it, if it goes well, I, he could be a, he could be more than maybe a vet minimum guy next year. If it goes poorly, you don't know what happens. And Paul George and him are very, very good friends. They have the same agent, and that's kind of where their relationships sparked. And uh, they spend a lot of time together in the offseason, if I'm not mistaken, and Kawhi's there. So his role, uh, I think he's walking into a situation where he knows that there's other pe- it's, this is other people's teams. Um, this is other people's team. And I think he's there to, to help fill a void that the Clippers need. Um, like I said, people look at him as a pick-and-roll guy, and that's what he is at his core, but he can do a few other things. And at the end of the day, if he wants to continue playing, this opportunity under the brightest of lights is as a chance for him to to further um, the Reggie Jackson story. Um, if it, if it goes well, like I said, it, this could open up doors that I don't think were available even two months ago. Um, if it goes poorly, then this could be the it could be the end of Reggie. You just never know. So I, he has to understand kind of what he's walking into, and I think he does. I don't think he would agree to go there if he if he didn't. He could have stayed in Detroit, played probably more minutes, and, and got a contract that way. But now he has an opportunity to show people that he is not only um, a player that can help winning basketball, uh, but he's a guy that is is fine in the locker room, and and those those stigmas that followed him aren't necessarily true anymore. So this is a big opportunity, probably the biggest opportunity he'll he'll have, even though his role is down. Um, because of the where it's at in his career and what could come of it if it doesn't go well. I think those are all really good points. Um, you know, I, I'm of the belief that every partnership starts off great, right? Yeah, like, exactly. you know, you, you hire the new coach, you, you sign the free agent, you make the trade, and everyone's on board with whatever the agenda is. You know, it's all... It's just like any, any relationship, you know, you, you make a friend or you start dating someone or whatever, like everything's great in the beginning. There's always that honeymoon period. And then, you know, when, when rubber hits the road, that's when you really see kind of someone's true character and, and how they really feel about a situation. And my fear here, um, you know, to, to go into the weeds a little bit with the Clippers is they now have seven guys, uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, obviously. But Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, uh, Marcus Morris, Landry Shamit, and Reggie Jackson, who really can all make the case that they are 
not only, you know, 30 plus minute a night guys, but guys who can be averaging, you know, 15 plus points a night on, on a solid team. And, you know, Kawhi and PG, it goes without question. Like they're the all-stars, they're the superstars, they're the faces of the team. But after that, like Lou and Trez are, you know, the longest tenured Clippers along with Pat Beverly. So they're not just going to necessarily seed, um, you know, the, the ball or the spotlight. Like Lou has seeded it to Kawhi and PG, but he's not going to seed it, you know, to Reggie Jackson or Marcus Morris. I don't think Trez gets visibly, you know, pouty when he doesn't get the ball for multiple possessions or when he gets subbed out, uh, you know, late in games. So that that's kind of a factor there. Marcus Morris is going from being the number one option in New York to now being the fourth, fifth, sixth option in LA. Uh, Reggie Jackson is going from being. I guess what the second option in Detroit. Uh, yeah, when I mean when Blake's Blake's out, Blake's out, and then Derek to an extent, but Reggie's right in the I would say two. Reggie's right in that mix, you yeah. know. And now he's what the sixth or seventh option on this team. Right. Um, and, and then we're not even talking about Patrick Beverly, who always you know will find a way to get the you know, his shots up. Zubots, who's a pick and roll threat, and Jamichael Green, who is a pick and pop big and, and a floor spacer. So like you now have ten guys who on other teams could easily average 30 plus minutes and, and 10 plus points. You know, I think, I think the, you know, Zubats and Jermichael, it's probably more of a minutes thing, but everyone else um, can, can easily average 10 plus points uh, on this team. And I'm just like, at some point, this isn't a fantasy team. Like this isn't just, you throw a bunch of scores together and like, you just figure it out. And I do think as we've now discussed these last, you know, 20 plus minutes for Reggie Jackson, if he buys into his role, accepts whatever minutes Doc plays him at, you know, tries defensively, um, moves the ball offensively, you know, runs pick and rolls to find Trez and Zubats uh, on the roll or to kick out to Jamichael or Landry and, and you know, is fine seeding the ball to Lou and Kawhi and PG and playing off of the ball a lot. I think he could be really helpful in, in that 12 to 15 minutes. But if it goes to some of the step back threes, some of the wild floaters, some of the ill-advised shots that I, I saw him taking when I went through the synergy film, like that to me can be really detrimental to the offense, especially when you have so many other weapons. Like this is probably the deepest team he's ever played on, you know, including those OKC teams, because after Katie and Russ, there's usually a, a big drop off, you know, I guess Kevin Martin and, um, but really like those teams were, were very top heavy. This team can go, you know, five, six, seven guys who, who can drop 15 on any night. So with him and with Marcus Morris, because Marcus has only played a few games now, um, I'm just like, I, I just, you know, I think on, on, on a talent level, those guys clearly are upgrades. You know, Marcus Morris is better than Mo Harkless. Uh, Reggie Jackson's better than Derek Walton Jr. Like those guys make the team better. Uh, I just think there is diminishing returns at some point where you, you can't just keep plugging scores in and think it's just going to work. Like these guys have to play off the ball. They have to spot up. They have to be okay with fewer minutes, fewer shots, fewer touches. And it's again, it's easy to say that in the beginning. Everything's hunky dory. Everything's great. But when it comes down to it in the playoffs, and you're Reggie Jackson playing eight minutes in a playoff game when you're you know playing 35 minutes earlier in the season with Detroit, like you know how how do you kind of rationalize that in your head? So. That is my, you know, from from this perspective right now, coming out of the All Star break, that is my fear. Uh, I, I I will say again, I think from a talent perspective, it's a clear upgrade. It made sense. 
He was the best buyout guy available. Like you do the move 10 out of 10 times. I'm just a little bit worried about managing expectations, managing minutes, managing points, shots, all that stuff. Because I, you know, I see a lot of people, a lot of Clipper fans on Twitter just loving the move and it's a no brainer and it's great. And, you know, he's going to plug right in perfectly. And I'm like, that's not necessarily how it works. Like how many guys, how many times do we see a move like this where you do think the guy, if he accepts the small role is going to be great in it, but it's very hard for guys to do that. And I, you know, again, I don't want to jump to conclusions yet because we haven't seen him play. We haven't seen him fit in yet, but I am a little hesitant to just be like fully on board with this move because I do think there is some downside. No. And I think you have a reason to be hesitant. Um, I'll start with this. The Clippers, to my knowledge, again, I don't follow them every day. Like I, I watch when I can and I read your stuff, but passing was a concern for theirs most of the year, right? Like in terms of it was a lot yeah. of, I, yeah. So I don't think they've done themselves any favors uh, to this point in adding guys that are going to help that just based on history. Marcus Morris is another guy. It's kind of like a ball stopper. Reggie Jackson is a ball stopper. Um, those guys are at, at their core scorers. Now, what I will say is, I do believe that at this point in Reggie Jackson's career, a condensed version of Reggie Jackson may be the best version of Reggie Jackson. However, it would have to be the right role. And I can definitely see a way in this in which this goes sour because if Reggie can't change his game, um, if he's unable to kind of concede the the pecking order that that rests in front of him, it could get bad because he, while I do think if Reggie was coming off the bench and there was no Lou Will, I think Reggie would be able to play more of his game. And if you, you you don't give him necessarily Lou Will minutes, but if you kept him at like the 15 minutes a game and he was able to play his game, I think he would be okay in that role. I don't think he's an upgrade over Lou Williams by any means, but I think he would be okay. Now he's going to have condensed minutes and he's not going to be the primary option. So you wonder if that's going to work. And like I said, he's proven to be a good spot-up shooter. Is that something he'll be fine with just doing? And he did it okay. I'll always look to this. And while the Clippers are far more deeper than last year's Pistons team was that got swept in the first round, he didn't really complain publicly or really show any agitation with being second fiddle to Blake. And that was really the first time since he's been in Detroit that he was a second fiddle. Uh, Blake got there midway through uh, the 2017-18 season, but Reggie was out when Blake got there, and by the time Reggie came back, the Pistons were out of the playoffs, essentially. So last year, Reggie played 82 games for the first time in his career. Uh, Blake, essentially, he played very close to 82 games. He was healthy all the way up until down the stretch. But Reggie conceded to Blake, and there were really no issues, and the Clippers have alpha dogs like Blake on their team. Now, I think there's a world in which Reggie fits in and it works and he's very valuable for the the limited minutes he will play. But I also could see a world in which the ball doesn't move the way the Clippers probably are going to need it to move come playoff time. Um, And I also see a world in which there's just too many scorers and when things get tough, somebody's going to try to bring them back because that's a lot of these guys have that mindset. And they're, they they have a cold night because, I mean, Marcus Morris, while he's been good this year, I mean, he has a history, a little history of being streaky. Reggie Jackson has a history of being streaky. Lou Williams is a, is a great player, but he's streaky at times. It's it, it, There's ways it could go sour, and I think people would probably bet their money on that more than 
it going well and meshing well, but there is a world in which it goes well. And I point to Reggie conceding to Blake, um, playing well off the ball, and 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 not having an issue with it. So you would think with Paul George there, somebody that he's really close with, that they've had conversations that Reggie has had conversations with Doc and the rest of the Clippers' front office. They he knows his role. And like I said earlier, if he's not going to do what they need him to do, he may be out of the NBA. So it's it, it, he's walking a fine line, but it's not necessarily an issue with skill for Reggie. It's an issue of is he going to be willing to do what the Clippers need him to do. So I, I know you have to, you know, we, we got to wrap up here, um, but, but two quick uh, addendums to that. Uh, I think as you – touch on with, with the, you know, bringing in the, the, the Blake sort of part of it. Um, for me, I, I think it's like, it's one thing to ask a guy to take a reduction in minutes, especially if they're, uh, you know, joining a contender, joining a much better team. Like, you know, he's going from a, you know, fringe playoff, you know, fringe East playoff team to, you know, maybe the championship favorite, or at least, you know, team in the top three of that conversation, um, so, so that, that's, you know, a pretty big adjustment and, you know, you, you kind of, okay, I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to come off the bench. I'm going to play fewer minutes, but I think it's a combination of fewer minutes and adjusting your role, right? Because yeah. he's not going to run the second unit. Lou Williams runs the second unit. Lou Williams is not great off the ball. Yeah. Like that's been kind of the thing with Lou Williams is that, you know, that's why he's been a six man is because that you just unleash him on a second unit, have him basically be the point guard floor general. And you kind of live with the inefficiency. So it's not just going to be asking Reggie to, hey, go from, you know, 28 minutes a night to 12 or 13. It's go, you know, take that minute reduction and also play off the ball and not have the ball as much. Because not only do you have the Lou Trez pick and roll, you're going to have actions for Landry. You're going to have Trez posting up like you have. You know, and Jermichael is going to want his shots too. He's a potentially a free agent. So I just, and then, you know, and if he gets some minutes with the starters, well, now you're playing with Kawhi and PG who, who are going to get a bunch of shots. So it's like, he's basically playing with a Blake at all time. You know, yeah. not that Lou is, is at Blake's level, but like he's playing with another ball, ball dominant, dominant yeah. primary score at all times. So that's where I'm like, there's rarely, you know, I, I'd be shocked if you see a lineup with like Landry, Rodney Magruder, Jamichael and like I don't know Fee Kevin Gell like like you're not going to see a lineup where Reggie's like clearly the number one option right so he's always going to be number two at best but probably number three so that to me is going to be a big adjustment for him my second quick thing uh fear wise is like there's also part of me that's like you know what if the Clippers almost go the opposite way and like play him a lot and you know, I, there's clearly a limit. Like I'd, I'd be shocked if he took Patrick Beverly's starting spot and was playing like 25 minutes a night. But there's a part of me that's like, you know, I think Lou Williams is better. Um, even with his, you know, immense defensive flaws and and you know, questions about him closing the game games more positively. I agree. Yeah, I, I you know I think Lou's just a better player. I think Pat is. Prob- I think Pat's a better player and just fits this team better as a guy who doesn't need the ball. And and really, you know, around Kawhi and PG, you want a bunch of shooting. And, you know, Pat's, uh, since a slow start to the season, he's been, you know, 40 plus percent on threes. He's a really good defender. He can defend wings. He doesn't have to only defend guards. So I think Pat, you know, 
you can maybe question who's the better player at their peak or whatever, but I think Pat is the better player and fits this team better. And, and you know, he has a huge role in the locker room. He's the starter. Like that's not going to be affected, but I look at a guy like Landry and, and this is someone who struggled to start the season. Someone who doc repeatedly said he wasn't involving enough in the offense and, and finding good looks for, and you know, Landry had a couple injuries he dealt with. Um, he's someone who's really played well the last like few weeks and, and found his footing and, um, you know, has been on like a, you know, was on a double digit scoring streak. And I just wonder with like him, you know, does, how much does it affect him? Does this take away his minutes, you know, his role, his development. And because, you know, Reggie is someone who c- can theoretically play off the ball with his size. He played off the ball next to Russell West. And by off the ball, I'm saying like at the two, not at the one, um, you know, he, he played next to Russ in OKC, uh, in those closing lineups. So, you know, I could see a scenario where it's it's him and Lou and Lou's the point guard or it's, it's him and Pat and, and he's the two and Pat's the one. Like, I think the Clippers can can get creative with, with these lineups, with the minutes. So my fear would also just be, you know, maybe Reggie doesn't have that limited of a role. Maybe he does eat into the minutes of Pat and Lou and, and Landry. And I really think those three guys are probably better or at least better fits for what this team needs compared to Reggie. Um, So, you know, this is a long-winded way of saying, like, I I do think the Clippers had to make the move. I I do think it it, it is a no-brainer to add a talent um, with one of your final two roster spots like this. I think he theoretically helps with the ball handling, the playmaking, the bench scoring, like, I, I do think if he buys in, he can be a clear positive, but I have my reservations with the fit. I have my reservations with the fit alongside Lou and Landry in the second unit. Um, and I'm very interested by this move. I'm very intrigued to see how it plays out. No. And I think, again, you have every reason to have reservations. And at the end of the day, all of this comes down to is if Reggie Jackson is willing and able to get out of kind of, his own head, the player that he's been asked to be um, for most of his time in the, with Detroit, and if he can realize that he's at a point in his career where maybe the best thing for him is to show that he's a winning player because to this point in his career, that is one label that nobody will put on him. He hasn't won in Detroit. The team hasn't won a playoff game in 11 years, and while he got when he was healthy, the team got there twice. There were only two playoff appearances the last decade. He was he was healthy and good to go. He's still not a winning player, and this is a chance for him to show that he can contribute to winning, that he can do what's asked of him, and that he can do what's – it's never been really a skill thing with Reggie Jackson. It's a decision-making. It's the stigma that's followed him. And he has an opportunity to rectify those two over these la- these next – what you would assume would be four months, five months for the Clippers. Um, and I think one, not only does that help his case, but that's exactly what the Clippers need, uh, going for an NBA title. All right, James. Well, we got to get you out of here. You have a dinner to make. Um, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at JL Edwards. I, 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 uh, like Yovan said, I cover the Pistons. So if you are at all still interested in, in Blake, you can come (laughs) to me for that. Uh, I know cl- yes. primarily Clippers fans listen to this, even though Blake's out for the year. So come back next year. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you're interested in, I know there's a lot of Detroit fans in LA, which always my first year going out to LA really surprised me, but it makes sense because it's cold here six months out of the year, seven months out of the year. And 
it's nice and pretty there 12 months out of the year. So if you're a Pistons fan and uh, you were, uh, or at least if you were a Pistons fan and you converted to the Lakers or Clippers and you still want to check in and see how your team is doing back home, yeah, you can you can find my work at The Athletic. Definitely check out James's work if you are an NBA fan. You, you don't even have to be a Pistons fan or a Clippers fan. Oh, I appreciate fan. that. Um, he, he does great stuff covering the, the Pistons. I think always finds a way to write interesting stories. I know it's not always the easiest team to cover when you know they, they've kind of been in that weird seven to ten seed range for the last decade, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But you do a great job finding interesting stuff, interesting storylines, interesting angles. Um, you know, you've done some larger league trend type of stories too. So uh, definitely check him out. Um, and as always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Yovan Buha. J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. Check out my work on The Athletic covering the Clippers. Um, had a few stories go up recently. One on Patrick Beverly's homecoming during All-Star Weekend. Uh, one on Reggie Jackson's fit, uh, which just kind of covered my feelings in this podcast. Uh, but definitely check that out. Um, and as always, if you have not subscribed to this podcast, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why you're listening this far and not subscribing um, and you can also subscribe to The Athletic if you have not yet done so at theathletic.com slash Clip City. That will help this podcast. That will help me out. Um, and, and then you can check out my Clipper stuff if you haven't read it yet. Um, so You, you work I hard, will, man. I, I hope your your readers and your followers know that they got a, a hardworking guy covering their team, always producing good content. So, yes, I agree with you. They should, if they're not subscribing, what are they doing? <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Um, so I will be back later in the week uh, to talk about some second half storylines, I guess, last you know, final third storylines to the season. Uh, but thank you guys for listening and I'll be back soon.